Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hello, Mark Homer here, and welcome to Mark My Words. I've got Arthur Kemp here today, who is a capital allowance expert. He's an accountant, and he's been doing our capital allowances and, and, and many other people's capital allowances around the country for, for a number of years now. Capital allowances are a particularly powerful mechanism that effectively allow you to write down the cost of plant and machinery and basically reduce your tax bills significantly. I've done this a, a lot of times over the years. It's really reduced our tax bills significantly. So uh, I'm going to dig into this a little bit more, what works, what doesn't work, and we're going to understand how we can use these capital allowances more effectively on our, our property investment purchases. So, Arthur, welcome. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So, tell us a little bit about Arthur. What is it you do? How long have you been doing it? And, and how can you help with these capital allowances? Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, pleasure to be here. Um, my name's Arthur Kemp. We have a company called uh, Exact Business Taxation Services Limited, and we specialise only in capital allowances. And as you know, capital allowances are a tax deduction for people who have investment property and they can claim certain items in those properties through their tax return so that uh, they can obviously reduce their, uh, their tax liabilities. Okay, so what are capital allowances? So capital allowances, people tend to think about it and it's easily described as the tax depreciation for assets in buildings. People are aware that um, property assets can be depreciated over the useful economic life of the building. And if you have a profit and loss account, you'll very often see a line in there for depreciation. However, when it comes to calculate your tax, depreciation is not a tax deductible business expense. Instead, the government allow you to claim these things called capital allowances, but you don't get them automatically. You have to actually have them identified, valued, and then presented in a certain way that the revenue will accept so that they can then be included in your tax return. So you might not see capital allowances in a profit and loss account, but you'll certainly see capital allowances on uh, the tax returns, tax calculations for companies and individuals as well. So that's quite interesting. So we're identifying these capital allowances in an entity and we're then using them to reduce the tax bill within that entity. So you might have a limited company or an LLP, or you might own the property personally. So these capital allowances allow you to write down the tax in that entity. Can you explain that? Yeah, so regardless of who owns the property, as you said, it could be a, a limited liability partnership, a limited company could own a building and a business, or it could be held by an individual or partners or a number of individuals. Whoever owns the property is the one that's entitled to claim the tax relief. So what happens is we go through a valuation process of all of these plant and machinery items. And plant and machinery items in a building is, I tend to think about it really as all the second fix items. Anything that you put into a building or that you buy as part of your building purchase that uh, depreciates or that will run out over 25 years. Anything you'd expect to replace and anything that makes the building work effectively. So what sort of stuff's that? Wiring? Heating, yeah. uh, lighting installations, sanitary wear, security, 
uh, even some soft furnishings, carpeting and the air like. Air conditioning. Air conditioning, yes. If you have uh, bathrooms, you can claim for those Signage. As well. Signage you can claim for, door closers, uh, a whole host of things. Furniture? Uh, furniture, no, uh, but that's not fixed to the property. It tends to be, as I say, anything that's fixed to the property. Uh, one good analogy is if you take the building, pick it up and turn it upside down, it's anything that uh, doesn't fall out uh, that's uh, attached to the building that can qualify. Okay. So it's those things that, um, as part of the valuation process... Uh, Carpet? You can claim for carpeting, yep. It doesn't fall off when you turn it upside down. Part of the valuation process, we need to consider the, the replacement cost of these items. And then we uh, would generate a report based on the assets that are there, uh, depending on the type of business you have. And then uh, that valuation is what goes into your, your tax return. Now, there's certain amounts of allowances that you're limited to claim every year. So if you were to buy a property uh, this year, then you can claim something called uh, an annual investment allowance. So this is where the government allow you to claim up to £200,000 straight away in the year of acquisition. So only in the year of acquisition. Any allowances above that £200,000 limit you get at 18%. So as an example, if you buy a property that has £300,000 worth of allowances today, you'd be able to claim 200 under the AIA mechanism and another 18,000, 18% of the 100,000 mm. uh, in the current year. All the other unclaimed allowances would then go into a general pool and you can use them in uh, successive years after that. Mm. So that's interesting. So effectively you're you're going to be claiming these for what about five years after the purchase yeah Is that some, right? somewhat longer yes but uh, it, it depends on depends on the uh, the amount of allowances that are available as well if the AIA is actually available to you it could be that uh, you're running a, a big business uh, you may have other investments in that year so you only get the annual investment allowance once per entity it's not per property so if you're buying two properties it might be that the £200,000 limit is used up effectively with one property and then you would only be able to claim the 18%, the writing down allowance, against the other property. Okay, that's interesting. So we know what we can claim on in terms of these plant and machinery items within a building, but we can't claim on all buildings, is that right? Yeah, so a building has to be in a qualifying activity and that's the, the key phrase. A qualifying activity so that generally relates to any non-dwelling premises so popular at the moment are serviced accommodation uh, as long as you're providing a service and the accommodation is there so that'd be nightly rentals and nightly rentals you're providing a what linen and cleaning service exactly so if you're providing those then uh, it's a qualifying property a qualifying activity so it's a bit like a holiday let that come under the same category yeah holiday lets you can claim for holiday lets yeah there's slight difference in that any capital allowances that you claim for a holiday let specifically can only be used against that holiday let business. So yes, you are allowed to claim the allowances and sometimes very generous too, especially if you have a foreign holiday let which has, uh, say, swimming pool and air conditioning as well. Right. You can claim for those, yeah. but you can only claim the allowances against your holiday let business, which is great if you have a profitable holiday let business. But one of the great advantages of capital allowances is that you can use the allowances against any source of taxable income you have. So if you have an investment property that generates some capital allowances, then you can use those allowances not necessarily against your property, but you could use it against your other income. So people who uh, might be listening who have jobs that pay income tax 
through their employer and have some investment property can certainly use the allowances primarily against the profits of their investment property but secondly against their income from their jobs as well. So it's a great way to recover previously paid income tax as well. Right, so that, I mean, herein we're moving into a, another important point. It, maybe if we could just, just park that and we'll come back to it in terms of offsetting income tax on, on salary and, and income from other sources, which is, is clearly going to be powerful for a lot of people. So if we, we just go back to the types of properties that, that we can claim this on, We've got serviced accommodation where you've got nightly room rentals, you might be providing cleaning service, linen, that sort of stuff. Holiday rentals, you can claim it on those. And the main one is commercial buildings, is that right? Yes, so for commercial properties, a lot of people now are buying commercial properties and converting them into HMOs or flats, for example. If you buy the property as a commercial property, then provided the prior owner hasn't claimed any allowances, then you're entitled to claim the allowances in this building. So, and very often they're quite uh, high yielding, mainly because they tend to be fairly well specced, they tend to be lots of IT installations, maybe air conditioning in the buildings, quite, quite high specification. And if you're buying these buildings, then you're entitled to claim the allowances on them. That's interesting. So, for example, the building that we're sitting in here, this cost half a million. And I know you did the capital allowances when we purchased this. And actually HMRC had a look at it as well. So um, we know it's sort of been through and, and tested and you know they've, they've, they've put it through their system. I mean, they even went through the, the amount you'd allowed for the shed out the back and, and various other elements of it, uh, which was quite interesting. But it, it's also good in another way because you, you know it works. So you purchased it, we purchased this for 500. You then went and found all the signage and the, the locks and the air conditioning and the wiring and all this other stuff. And I think you identified about £100,000 on the purchase price of capital allowances. Yep. I think we then did uh, some refurb and you identified some more and we put that claim in. Let's say we got 150000 in terms of capital allowances on, on this property. How does that work? Where, you know, let, let's come back to the, the point we we're on earlier on. We've claimed it on the commercial building. We can, if it was bought in a limited company, that could be offset against the corporation tax for the company. So that might be 20%. Correct. If we bought it in a LLP, well, we might be able to claim that against up to 45% personal tax, yep. you know, and, and you separate that out amongst the members according to who took what profit. And then if you bought it in your own name, how would that work? So exactly the same way as you can claim capital allowances through a corporation tax return, in your own name, you claim it through your personal tax return. So your accountant will take the numbers that we provide on a report, and then very simply, it goes into box 30 or 32 of your tax return on the property pages. Very straightforward, you declare your income and your business expenditure, and then you will have a, an operating profit effectively, and then you can reduce that profit or indeed create a loss by uh, claiming the capital allowances, identifying these plant machinery allowances uh, in your building. So that's quite interesting. So you're, you're effectively offsetting these allowances against income from other sources. So you might be in a job and you might earn 40 grand a year. If you create, you have a building like this and you, you have 150 grand's worth of allowances, you're not going to pay any income tax on your salary from your IT job. That's exactly Is that right. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. And I think it's, uh, it's certainly worth saying as well, depending on the amount of allowances available, there are 
certain limits to this sideways loss relief as it's known. That's which, important, isn't it? Sideways loss relief. Sideways loss relief. You're making the loss on a building or yeah. in this trade over here and then you're you're trying to sort of offset that, use that to offset the tax you're paying from income from another source, might be your job or I don't know, maybe some other income source from shares that you've got. I like to think about it as silos. So you have yeah. your, your property business silo here that does have the allowances in. You have your job silo here where you have your income and where you pay tax through PAYE. And what you're doing is you're taking some allowances, which by the way, haven't cost you any more. You haven't bought anything extra. All you've done is as part of your purchase of the building, you're just breaking down the cost of the building into its component parts, some of which you can claim these capital allowances against. So, and that's effectively what we do. We break down the cost of a property into its component parts, uh, including the land, the building, the reconstruction costs, and these plant and machinery items. And it's those plant and machinery values that you can use against other silos uh, to offset the, the income that you might have in there. And what's the maximum amount that you can use as a sideways loss? So it's either £50,000 yep. or 25% of your, of your earnings for the year. Okay, so if you're doing it in your own name and yep. you want to do a sideways loss, it's, it's 50 grand maximum or, or 25%. But if you, if you were running through a limited company and trying to offset them you know, against the profits from that building or in an LLP, you know, offset the, the profits within a business or whatever, you can offset the whole lot. Is that right? Yes, because it's still the same silo effectively. Mm. Your limited company owns the building, operates the building as an, and is entitled to claim the, uh, the capital allowances. You're not transferring the allowances to another type of uh, business because it's staying purely within that entity. So you can claim for the whole lot. So this is fascinating. This is very, very powerful stuff. So we back to the types of properties that we can claim this on. We've got the, the serviced accommodation. Yep. We've got the uh, holiday let model. Yes. We've got commercial buildings. Yes. And the final one that I know of, but you, you may have some more, is HMOs. Right. So I, um, I know this is a, a grey area and I've heard a lot of people say you can't claim them and I've heard others say you can claim them. We did claim them in the past, Rob and I and um, we had a HMRC aspect inquiry and they sort of dug into it and um, we went to a tax barrister who said yes you can claim them and there's a House of Lords case which proves that you can claim them but HMRC guidance currently is that you can't claim it on communal areas within a, H uh, within a HMO so it seems a bit grey doesn't it and uh, I mean yeah what's your stance on it? Yes yeah, so uh, the revenue definitely have a, a clear stance that they will not accept claims for HMOs. But just to sort of uh, clarify, a HMO being a, a single building, for example, where the rooms might be let out, it's very clear that the revenue don't want anybody claiming on those types of properties. However, if you have a block of flats and there is communal access areas, maybe lifts, uh, stairwells that might have emergency lighting in, that's very clear that you can claim on those types of properties. So it's very, uh, it's very the revenue don't like the traditional HMO setup agreeing claims to those. Okay, so blocks of flats, yes. Yes. Commercial buildings, yes. Yes. Holiday lets, yes. Serviced accommodation, yes. Definitely. HMOs, no. Correct. Too risky. Okay, good. Well, that's that's fascinating. So capital allowances are clearly very, very powerful, Arthur. And I know on a uh, you know on a series of buildings that we've bought recently, it's meant that. In some of our entities, we're paid no tax 
for you know a reasonable period of time just because we are claiming these uh, allowances and um, you know it was something I'd, I'd never claimed in, until I met you. There is one other thing you need to be cautious of when you're purchasing a building. I know when we're buying a new commercial building I always make sure that I get something put in the contract and also check that the previous owner hasn't claimed the allowances. Could you talk us through that process? There's two main things here. First of all, people should be aware that you can only claim capital allowances once on a building. That's the idea and that's the reason behind the legislation. Now, the rules have changed on how we need to do our due diligence back in April 2012 and again in April 2014. Prior to that, we needed to take reasonable care to establish if any of the previous owners had claimed any capital allowances. And that meant contacting all of the previous owners once we'd found out who they are, writing to them if the companies were still uh, existing or if the people were still uh, around uh, and getting some sort of responses to confirm whether or not they've claimed any allowances. And that was, uh, that was quite hard work because invariably people aren't motivated to provide that information when they don't have the property anymore and it's just a burden to them. But as long as we took all reasonable care to try and establish those details, regardless of if they replied or not, then we could proceed with the claim. And that was generally okay. Uh, what happened uh, in April 2012 is the revenue said that isn't good enough. It's not good enough to just guess or write a few letters and not have any real responses. So instead, what they introduced was on any new property transactions, the capital allowances value has to be agreed between the buyer and the seller within two years of completion. So, of course, this, is, uh, this sort of brings up quite a, a strange situation whereby the buyer, who now knows about capital allowances, is quite savvy about allowances and wants to find out if the seller has claimed any allowances, but doesn't necessarily want to ask the seller because that will introduce the concept to them and might mean the buyer is unable to claim any allowances. So there's a few ways around that. Um, you don't have to mention at all to the seller anything to do with capital allowances. You could not have anything mentioned in the contract. And then afterwards, you could start a tribunal process and then get the seller to agree what the allowances are uh, retrospectively within that two-year period. Again, there is a motivational issue there in that uh, as soon as they've sold the building, they have no interest in anything to do with the building anymore. So to get a rate to get around that problem, we can take them to a tax tribunal and we can encourage them to uh, respond to our letters that way, uh, which does work. Uh, and invariably, the uh, opportunity for them to go to a tribunal often encourages them to uh, reply to our letters. Uh, so that's, there is one way around that. The safer way is to have an agreement in the contract at sale time. And this can be done uh, in two ways. Basically by putting a, a clause in the contract to say that the seller will, ag will agree to the allowances value that we identify later on uh, within that two year period. Or we could go down the valuation routes now at point of transaction and identify the full amount and put that in there. The associated risk with that is of course that uh, the seller may claim the allowances through the uh, through their tax return and that could limit how much you get but it very much depends on who the seller is and in quite a few cases people are specifically targeting sellers who don't pay any tax so therefore can't claim any capital allowances so imagine the scenario that you know that capital allowances can only be claimed once in a building and if you know the previous owner can't claim any of those allowances at all because they might be 
a local authority that doesn't pay tax. They might be a charity or a pension fund or somebody outside of the UK that doesn't pay UK tax. Any of those people, you're almost guaranteed to be able to claim all of the allowances on those buildings by definition that they can't and therefore you can claim those. That's really interesting. I know when we're purchasing buildings, I don't really want to talk to the agent about capital allowances and whether the, the seller's claimed for the reason you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really want them to alert them to the fact that those allowances, you know, there's this regime there which allows them to claim because we may not be able to. The reality is most of the time we purchase a building, the vendor hasn't claimed. There's been a couple recently where we found they have, but most of the time they haven't. And the procedure I normally use is I, I contact you, Arthur, to to send the passage, the current passage that you know you need to put in the contract, and you send that to the solicitor, to our solicitor, to get that inserted to, into the contract before we complete. Because I, I just know over the years that's changed, and you know as you get more information or new information, the the wording that goes into the contract has changed. Um, so you know you're you're well up to date on that. Most of the time, the seller solicitor kind of says, um, you know, goes away, comes back. The vendors sort of said, what are capital allowances? No, we haven't claimed. And it, it goes in and it's fine. And I know certainly with the, the, the charities and the council and pension funds and things like that, it's, it's usually always fine because they, they never claim them. So you've got to make sure they haven't claimed previously. You've got to make sure that you, you, know, you, you put the, the correct passage in the purchase contract, which you can supply. Is there anything else you need to do? I think it's worth talking about elections in contracts. Now, when a commercial property is bought or sold, there's normally these uh, CPSE inquiries. They're they're standard inquiries that go between solicitors about the details of the property. And one uh, one of the sections within the inquiries is to do with capital allowances. So there's a situation where you may get an election in the sales contract and it will say, this is a section 198 election and we're electing to sell all the plant and machinery as part of the sale of the uh, property. We're selling the plant and machinery to you for a pound or for two pounds. Now, that election will be there for one of two reasons. Either that the seller genuinely does know a lot about capital allowances and has been advised accordingly. You tend to get that for uh, savvy sellers who know about capital allowances, for example, pub chains. Pub chains or care homes or anybody who has lots of property on their portfolio tend to be fairly well advised. So you will see in the contract selling all of the plant and machinery to you for a pound. Has no impact on the sales price of the property, it's just the value of the assets within the property they're selling to you. The other reason why that election might be in there, and we had a case last week where a solicitor to cover their own backs just put the standard section 198 clause in there basically to mitigate any tax from their client's point of view. Uh, irrespective of the fact if their client could claim any capital allowances or not, they put this standard clause in there. And so part of the purchase process is to go back to the solicitors and say, is this a genuine Section 198 election? What have the clients actually claimed? And then by having that dialogue, in this particular case last week, it transpired the vendors couldn't even claim capital allowances, hadn't done so, and we got that standard clause removed so that my client could then buy the property and have all the allowances available to them. And in round terms, how much tax was that going to save? Oh, there was, was a six figures they were going to save in tax. In hard tax, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's worth a lot of money, this stuff. And even having a picking up the phone and just having a conversation about the contract and just highlighting a few key things to look at. If you find a contract that's selling you all the assets within the building 
to you for a pound, that should ring alarm bells yeah. and people go, okay, what does that actually mean? Because if you're spending a million pounds on a property and there is 200,000 pounds worth of capital allowances in a property, if you're paying tax at 45%, not reading the contract properly or understanding it could cost you 90,000 pounds in tax, for example. It's a huge amount. And that's a large amount when you're looking at uh, certain properties. Yeah. Okay, so that's the, the sort of the, the main you know, meat with capital allowances. We've also got the ECAs as well. Do you want to go through those? I mean, as if capital allowances isn't exciting enough, there's something called enhanced capital allowances. Can you believe it? So enhanced capital allowances, the government give you a 100% tax deduction in the year for any energy efficient plant and machinery that you buy. Examples being? So uh, geo, sort of geothermal pumps, for example, yeah. ground source heat pumps, yeah. uh, CHP solutions, even energy efficient boilers that might have wood pellets, for example. We, we put a biomass boiler into a development, a, a block of flats. That's and, right, and, you did. And yeah. you claimed the capital allowances yeah. for, or the ECAs on that. The ECAs yeah. and any yeah. energy efficient, whether it be boilers or lights or building management systems. Air conditioning. Energy efficient air yeah. conditioning can go in there. There's a great big long list on the DECC website, which details every single make, model, serial number of qualifying plant and machinery. And this is really interesting to know because if you're doing a development project, you might be spending £20,000 on the new boiler system and you might be spending, or you could look at spending exactly the same amount, but one that's on the energy efficiency list, then you get all of the capital allowances, 100% of that in year one. So you get, let's say you get a boiler and the boiler's 50 grand and it's, it's on the enhanced capital allowances list, it's the right boiler, it's, it's a biomass boiler, it's made by the right company, uh, I think ours was Solar Focus, so that was right. on the list, it was Austrian. That full 50,000 can then be offset against P&L that year and, and, and come off the corporation tax? Yeah, if, effectively so. So that 50,000 pounds sits outside of your yearly 200,000 pound limit, which is, the, which is quite important. So, and it goes again as a tax deductible business expense through your tax profit and loss account and therefore reduces your profit and therefore reduces your tax. So it's important to be aware that the 100% enhanced capital allowances is completely separate to the £200,000 limit that you've got. So it might be in a particular project, uh, you've got £200,000 worth of regular plant and machinery and another £50,000 worth of energy efficient plant and machinery. You can still claim all of those in year one. Fascinating and, uh, and, and very valuable. I know it saved us a hell of a lot over the years. And finally, we've got a, another little, uh, little tax saving strategy, something that you use quite a lot, probably quite good for petrol stations and, and other areas where you've, you've got issues with ground contamination. So yeah, this other little gem is called uh, land remediation relief. And it's the single biggest tax relief that the revenue offer at 150% which is incredible. So every penny you spend cleaning up contaminated land or buildings, you get 150% tax deductible expense on your tax computations. So many people uh, have asbestos in their buildings that they buy. If you're cleaning up that asbestos, uh, you'll have a site investigation report which proves the asbestos is there. You might have to get some uh, specialist contractors in to deal with that particular contamination. And again, any money you spend, 150% of all related costs, you can claim as a, a business expense. 
So in an existing building that you're going to convert, you've nearly always got asbestos. What, yep. what else have you got? So you could have uh, oil in the land, for example. Right. You could have elevated levels of naturally occurring elements, argon, radon, radon. for example. We get that around here sometimes. Yep. Yeah. So uh, and it's basically anything that has the potential to do harm. A lot of people uh, are walking away from sites that contain Japanese knotweed. Yeah, well, I was only talking about this last week. And yeah. Japanese knotweed yeah. is deemed to be a contaminant, and any money you spend cleaning it up falls under the land remediation relief, whereby you can claim 150% of cleaning up that, uh, that contamination. So let's say you buy a building, there's, you know, it's going to cost you 100 grand to remove the asbestos. Yes. You've then got 150%, which is 150,000 in that scenario yep. that you can then offset against your profit for yep. that year within that limited company so you've you've immediately then if it was 20 percent, you've immediately then saved thirty thousand in hard tax what about do you get it twice can you then you know that hundred and fifty thousand, or let's say sorry the hundred thousand that it it costs you to remove the asbestos does that then come off in a off the the cost of the flats when you sell them in a capital sense or not so there's a there's a couple of things here so that hundred thousand pounds you spend will be a capital improvement so it'll hit your balance sheet as an addition uh, that goes to a contribute towards the base cost of your property if you were to sell it for capital gains purposes but it's almost a double win because you're spending the money on the buildings you're improving them increasing the value You've identified the £100,000 and you get £150,000 deduction in effectively the P&L to reduce your profits. And, and when you sell the building, and that £100,000 comes off the capital gain that you've made on the building. Exactly right. So you, you, well, you almost get it three ways because you get the uplift, you get the tax off the, the capital gains that you, you pay or, or corporation tax when you sell the building yeah. and you end up getting 150% on the, um, the relief as well. Even better than that, if the company makes a loss because you've claimed this land remediation relief, you can surrender that loss to the revenue in exchange for a tax credit, in exchange for cash. So if you're having a development and it's £100,000 worth of expenditure, that project is making a loss of £100,000 or £150,000, then you can say to the, the Treasury, I'll surrender my £150,000 loss in exchange for the tax that I would be saving and you get £30,000 back from the Treasury on that. <laughs> so that aids your cash flow in this particular circumstance. That's brilliant. I, uh, I, I love little tweaks like that. They, uh, they really get me excited. I, I, um, there's so much. The more you, you go on in property and, and tax and business, the more you realise how much there is and how much you don't know. Mm. And... Um, yeah, I, every time I, I learn a, a new one of these tweaks, just gives me a warm feeling <laughs> for the rest of the day. <laughs> Arthur, it's, it's, been, it's been fascinating. It always is. I enjoy talking to you. I always learn a lot. Lots of people want to talk to you about how they can claim capital allowances and, and save money through land remediation relief and enhanced capital allowances. How do they get in contact? What do they do? So the best uh, forms of contact are via email, support at exactbusiness.co.uk. Uh, you can have a look at our website and our blog for lots of information. Just search Exact Business uh, and you'll find us. Or via uh, telephone, I'm always available, 0845 467 2765. If anybody wants um, to drop me an email, then I'm more than happy to speak to them, answer any questions that they've got. Brilliant. Arthur, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you, Mark. That's been Mark Homer for Mark My Words.